I just don't. I mean, nothing I mean, against. It could be busting Justin. Look, it could I, be. I, uh, wow. I think no. Al's a Al's a charming guy, but but I I think part of the reason blustering we, Justin. I don't know. It's I, like I think part of the reason we call him uh, gorgeous Al Borges is because of the rhyme. Because it rhymes, and not and not just because we the, find and him. People love and, and they love the, they love the apparel too. I mean, the Hawaiian shirts. Oh. I was hoping it'd be a little warmer, so that when he's uh, you know sign doing his book signings the next couple of days. He still may be in a Hawaiian shirt. I don't know. But, yeah, um, we, we'll, we'll get to our, our the full list of guests. It is a full show today, but there's still room for you. It's Bill, Dan. That was Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Drew at the controls here in the studio. Uh, just underway here in hour number one of The Drive. And uh, with this, let's see, this hour, along with, with us, who are uh, those of us who are in here? Uh, we'll talk with Scott Bagwell, the Auburn High School Tigers, uh, closing out the regular season in in a game that, yeah, definitely has some meaning. Auburn is going to be at home in the first round of the playoffs with an Auburn win. If Prattville could knock off Central, but that's over in Phoenix City, but you never know. Uh, if Prattville were to knock off Central, Auburn would be the top seed and be able to possibly stay well, stay at home and stay in Lee County, stay in Auburn. Basically, throughout the playoffs, it would be a possibility. But we'll talk with Scott Bagwell about that in about uh, 15 minutes as the Tigers get ready to close out the regular season against Smith Station. Uh, in hour number two, David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and who is in his final hour on ESPN Chattanooga with the show Press Row uh, will be joining us uh, at the top of the hour. And I believe somewhere around 5.30, between 5.30 and 6, that's when Al Borges will be joining us. He is uh, getting in town. We'll be uh, doing book signings for his book, Deny the Tiger, uh, tomorrow and Saturday pregame. So we'll talk with him as well. And we'd love to hear from you. And as an encouragement for you to call in, we've got a couple of tickets for the Auburn-Arkansas 11 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Everybody that calls in will go into a drawing. We'll draw for that before the end of the show. So if you'd like a pair of tickets to the Auburn-Arkansas game, just call in. Drew will get your name, and we will have a drawing before the end of the show. So uh, that's sort of what's going on here in the show. Hour number one of the drive uh, is brought to you, as usual, by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And uh, they're also the sponsor of our hotline, where you can uh, call in, get into to the drawing for the tickets, uh, talk anything you would like with us sports-wise, and the number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive Text Box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, with that, let's uh, we'll, we'll welcome in. Uh, we, we heard his voice there uh, uh, briefly uh, just couple of minutes ago justin ferguson from the auburn observer justin how you doing doing all right how are y'all uh, observing justin ferguson there you go <laughs> there you go that uh, that that works that that does that does does have a little it's closest we got with any it's like slant rhyme yeah that works that works yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little way to promote get it, to promote it as well so what's going on with the uh, with the observer yeah so it was it's really funny um i just got done writing the mailbag for tomorrow and uh, i had Two football questions and about ten basketball ones. Well, um, although, although you've told people not to ask about a coaching search, 
Like that's part yeah. of the reason for the for the lack of questions uh, about football. I yeah, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's the reason. This it's not this the only week. reason. No, it's not the only reason. Um, so we've had some decent basketball uh, stuff this week uh, coming up on the exhibition uh, in six days against UAH and the season opener is less than two weeks, uh, but also um, just talking about just Auburn coming off this off week. Uh, and you know, I, I think the, you know, I wrote about it on Monday. I think the biggest area where I'm like, Ooh, this could get, this could get out of hand on Saturday is, uh, the fact that Auburn's run defense has t- taken such a, a drop off a cliff this year. And you're playing an Arkansas team that runs the ball as much as anybody that's not a service academy in FBS. The only three teams ahead of them in, in carries per game is Army, Navy, and Air Force. Um, so, yeah, that's you know a lot a lot of that there, uh, but uh, some basketball, a lot of excitement around basketball. At least for the people who subscribe to uh, to the observers, a lot of basketball in our mailbag tomorrow, and also does a story this week on Auburn small forwards. But uh, yeah, and, and basketball. I mean, with with less than two weeks to go before the season opener and expectations. I mean, it's still even even though we've enjoyed the last five years of success for Auburn, it's still like it's important to remember how many times in school history. Have have we been talking about a preseason top fifteen team in the AP poll? Like it's a, I think it's, it's three times. It's a yeah. I was going to yeah. say it's it's a one hand, you know. And so uh, it, it's yeah. It's a, it does feel like it could be a very special season, even amid a run of pretty special seasons for for Bruce Pearl and his players. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting team because I think they're so deep and they're there's still a lot of position battles are up for grabs right now. I think this. Rotation and the starting lineup could evolve. You know, you look at the way the Auburn schedule starts out. About that first half of that non-conference schedule, they have a lot of games where they're going to be heavily favored in. Work some kinks out, and then you go that West Coast swing. You play Memphis, you play St. Louis. Those are going to be some really good games right before they get an SEC play. So it's a good, it's a good way to ramp into things. And it's probably smart to 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 play some some tough out of conference teams. Oh, yeah. Not just because it, it gets you ready for playing teams that are from you know very skilled in very different styles or playing games in unfamiliar mm-hmm. environments and all that thing. Auburn starts, correct me if I'm wrong, Auburn starts conference play with Florida and Arkansas. Yes. That's a pretty good one-two punch to begin a year where there's a bunch of teams that are at least pretty good in the SEC. Mm-hmm. And you probably want to be rounding into form early because you don't want to take a couple of gut punches against the Florida Gators and the Arkansas Razorbacks no. and, and have to you know start playing from behind in a, in a league where you know there, there are going to be a lot of teams vying for the championship. Oh, and you think last season part of what made Auburn so good and were able to win the SEC was that they had a tough part of the schedule and they knocked it out pretty quickly early. Um, you know They didn't start losing until towards the back end when they already had a lead built up. Think about the way they played against LSU and that LSU team was undefeated at the time. Um, so yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a big challenge, but uh, you know we've seen these te- these Auburn teams get off to hot starts in SEC play, and part of it is like you were saying, Dan, they get built up by this non conference schedule. It does feel like you got five teams that are closer to a top tier th- than everyone else, sort of in the. I mean, those are the five ranked teams in the in the preseason yeah. polls. I think in, there is a gap after number in five. the SEC. I wouldn't be surprised if Florida or LSU. Um, was was you know A&M. in that conversation A and M too? I mean, you've got first year coaches uh, in McMahon and Golden. 
at LSU in Florida, but you've also, I mean, McMahon brought the conference player of the year from Moorhead State with him, KJ uh, KJ Williams, and or not Moorhead State, uh, Murray State. Murray State. He, yeah, yeah. He, brought, he brought uh, uh Jani Brooms from Moorhead State, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So so yeah, KJ Williams who was on the, the second team uh preseason all SEC <laughs> team last week, uh was a conference player of the year for for McMahon. You would think that would speed up oh, yeah. a a turnaround at a place where I mean, he inherited we were hearing stories about that LSU basketball program, right? Nobody. I mean, after Will, I mean, he inherited. Mm-hmm. There's, there's oh, no, yeah, there's there was no, no one. It's a completely brand was, new roster. Like, like one, one guy. I don't know if there. Yeah, I don't know if there's a scholarship player yeah. who, who was on last year's team. And so. then you got, and then you got Florida, who obviously was not a bad team last season, um, but he, you know, hiring Ty Golden, and he gets to walk into a situation where you have one of the best big men in college mm-hmm. basketball and Colin Castleton to 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 lead into your. The, your they first added year. they added a guard everybody wanted too from the kid uh, from Belmont. Is it or no? I thought it was uh, more northeastern place. Maybe they added the kid from Belmont. The too. kid from Belmont's the the really good shooter. There's there's a there's I'll, I'll look it up when we have a chance. But mm-hmm. there's a guard from um from from like a, a northeastern school that is uh, that, that played at a high level that, that's coming to Florida too, and that's always. You know that that's another thing, especially if you have experience post. You can inject a little bit of talent into your uh, mm-hmm. in, into your team when you get a veteran. I mean, at last year's Auburn Tigers, right? You, you suddenly, I mean, it looks like you're going to be struggling after Sharif Cooper leaves. You add Wendell Green and Zeb Jasper and KJ Williams or K, uh, Katie, uh, Katie Johnson. Katie Johnson. We're doing a lot of There's too many K something. Yeah, right. too many initials. You add the guards from last year's team, all of whom were transfers from other college basketball programs. You add some veteran guards, and it's a big reason why you were conference champion. Yeah, absolutely, and, and and that's the thing where they could step up even more this year um, because of their, you know, experience. They're not resetting at guard. They're not resetting in the backcourt. And what they are resetting in the frontcourt, at least you have a foundation with Jalen Williams and, and Dylan Carwell that, you know, even if you've got some new guys and new guys that you would expect to start and play a lot, um, you still have that foundation behind them. This is going to be a really deep team. Uh, it's going to be a, a very physical team. Um you know, I think they have the potential to contend and maybe you know one up last year's team and how far they go in the postseason. It's just going to look very different, and they they are going to have a style and a, and a, um you know just a way of going about things that is going to look very different than last season's team because last season's team you had two All Americans that you built your team around. This year, not really any All American caliber players that you see at the moment. Uh, but you see, uh, see more experience, more good players, and they're going to be able to lean on that depth. Florida guard I couldn't come up with earlier is uh, Kyle Lofton. He started 116 games at St. Bonaventure and transfers okay. to Florida with his one year of eligibility left. A uh, a guy who was a, a, a big piece of uh, their team for four years. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the shooter from yep. Belmont was another one a lot of people really wanted. Um, but 14, yeah, 14 points a game in his career for uh, for Lofton. So it's nice to add a you had a player who's played 100, really, 115 career games. And league's really competitive, and then mm-hmm. when you look at that bottom tier of teams, you don't really expect to, you know, have great seasons. A lot of them are in the starting new eras. You know, whether it's South Carolina or Missouri or Georgia State, uh, uh, Mississippi State, yeah. obviously. And you've only got a couple teams you kind of feel like in kind of in in no man's land, and uh, really only one in like Ole Miss, where it's they bring back Kermit Davis when there was a lot of questions about him. But we know that a good Kermit Davis team can go pretty deep and be really really competitive. So uh, it's a it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting layout for the SEC. They made um, a change in Missouri, right? It was, it's mm-hmm. de- yeah, it's Dennis, Dennis Gates. It's Dennis yeah. Gates now, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, there's what five new coaches in the league right now? Five or six. Um, Kentucky's got a new one. South Carolina's got a new one. Georgia's got a new one. Florida's got a new one. Mississippi State's got a new one. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, this is a 
been out of it, yeah, in LSU. A wild year, you know, as far as the turnovers. Oh, for sure. And to see a coach make a jump, because you don't see that very often in the SEC either, to see a coach go from Georgia to Florida, which is what, or, or Florida, Florida to Georgia. Florida to Georgia. Florida to Georgia. That was, I don't know if that was a jump or that was just, uh, you know. He he was on the market. He he, ju- he jumped before he was pushed. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah he was. He was, he was allowed. He was given. He was given two. Uh, he was given two difficult choices. But yeah, no. I, I think it's going to be a really. I'm, I'm interested to see what these teams look like when conference play begins, mm-hmm. and then I'm, I'm going to be curious to see if there's one team or a lot of these teams play really tough non-conference schedules too. I know yeah. Alabama's got a pretty stack when Kentucky always does with those neutral site games, and, and Tennessee plays pretty tough as well. Before we before we take a break, is there is there a player among the returners for Auburn basketball? Is there a player that you think? Like you're you're particularly intrigued by how he's changed from last year, or how he's improved, or, or anything like that. Is is there someone that you're looking at as a storyline kind of early on? Um, I think people need to be talking about Chris Moore a lot more, um, just because I think there's a real chance he starts to, at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, with with with, with, uh, with Westry, Westry working his way back and and Allen missing mm-hmm. uh, missing time and he and he play, I mean you got to remember that Israel tour that last game against the senior national team Chris Moore was probably the second best player on the floor for Auburn um, yeah he's one I'm really intrigued by all the guards coming back this year I think Zepp Jasper playing more off ball playing more two you could probably see him doing some of the stuff he did at Charleston where he's a little more aggressive shooting the ball and and being more of a, a scorer off of that and he had really good shooting numbers last season when he actually did it. Um, you know, Katie Johnson, is is there a real possibility? You know, Katie looks better. He's moving better this year. I think he's going to shoot better this season. Is he is he going to be a six-man? You know, because you feel like Wendell Green is going to be your starter. So what is what happens there in that, that six-man role? And Katie makes a ton of sense. So that, that battle between Zepp and Katie for who starts and who comes off the bench is going to be really fun to fun to see as and if, well. And if Chris Moore plays early, you know, the, or if Chris Moore succeeds early mm-hmm. on, when Flanagan and Chance Westry get worked in, Chris Moore could also be, you know, in, the, in that sort of six-man ro- rotation as well. I mean, you, you wonder if there'd still be a role. Hey, for there, there's, there's going to be a 10-man rotation. Yeah, at least. I mean. There, are so. no, there, there don't appear to be depth issues at the moment. No. With the men's basketball no. team. No, as long, if, if they can stay healthy, I don't, I don't, I don't see any way that they're going to be. Uh, I don't think there's problems. There are. I don't think. I don't think anything that happened this week changes the depth issues for Auburn football. It's just that's more self-inflicted than anything. Yep. Uh, we need to get to our first break. We're going to uh, speaking of football. We'll talk Auburn high football with Scott Bagwell when we come back. Just underway here on the Thursday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Please take a look. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson, and let's uh, get to the Kia of Auburn hotline, and uh, we're going to talk now with the voice of the Auburn High School Tigers, who uh, who wrap up their regular season this week, looking to finish 9-1, and one. and uh, Scott Bagwell now joining us here on The Drive. Scott, how you doing? Good. How about y'all? Uh, doing pretty well, man. I lo- love this love this weather. I mean, we've, we've had great weather. It's great weather for any 
anything outside, any sport that you want to play outside. It uh, looks like it's going to be great uh, um, for tomorrow night. Yeah, and um, it's, uh, it's a big night. I encourage everybody to get out there. Senior night, uh, it's a pink out the duck night, um, and uh, obviously the, the final regular season home game. There is at least one more. Hopefully the chips fall in the right direction. Auburn gets more than that. But um, two guaranteed games as Auburn High looks to finish off 9-1. and one. And maybe spooky season starts early and Auburn gets some help down the road and Auburn can get a region championship. But bare minimum, Auburn High will be the two going into the playoffs next week. It's Scott, uh, last week Auburn, I was listening to the auburn Pravel game and it, Auburn's cruising early on, twenty-one yeah. nothing. Just got here, and then Pravel made it really, really interesting in the second half. From your perspective, kind of what changed there for Auburn, and kind of how, how if any, has that kind of been addressed this week before they go into this uh, finale against Smith Station? Well, it's kind of Prattville season wrapped up in a game. Um, the first half was just horrendous from a Prattville standpoint. Auburn's up twenty-seven to nothing, and then all of a sudden they start making plays out of nowhere like right out of the gate in halftime and, and cut it to a one-score game. Um, give Prattville a lot of credit. Their mm-hmm. defense in particular, a couple of guys in the box, were really, really tough to block um, shooting gaps, uh, and, and Auburn made some mental mistakes. So Auburn couldn't run the ball as effectively as they normally do. Probably going back and looking at the numbers, Auburn's worst rushing day mm-hmm. um, of the season so give Prattville a lot of credit there. And the other thing is, is, is field position was huge. Auburn had short fields in, in the first half, and Prattville had short fields in the second half um, as a couple turnovers and also uh, special teams um, once again showed up. I know Auburn spent a bunch of time this week trying to address kickoff coverage because when Auburn doesn't put it in the end zone, it's become an issue a couple of, in a couple of games of covering kicks against Enterprise and against Prattville. Scott, I've, I've watched a couple of sporting events with you. Was there a moment during the Prattville rally where you thought they were going to come back and win after being down 27 nothing? Like, were you, were you thought, only, oh, yeah, yeah, go on. I'm sorry to jump in. The only time where you were like, well, this, because the only time, Prattville never had the ball down one, one score until the last play of the game. Um, it was one of those where it was always a one, a two score game, and then Ian Nation makes a highlight real catch in the end zone. If you haven't seen it, find a way to look it up. It is one of the best high school catches you'll ever see. Absolutely, to make it a twenty point game, but then there was a, a celebration penalty, short field touchdown. Then Auburn has to punt, and, and it's just. It, it just it was one of those weird things where Prattville answered every single call in the second half, but a fake punt really kind of iced the game. Auburn was looking at having to punt um, in, in a two score game, or maybe it might have been one. It was a it was a close game, and Auburn decides to go with a fake punt, and uh, senior linebacker Clark Cleveland carries a guy for five yards and gets the first down. It felt like at that time that that was kind of the play that was like, all right, we're just not going to lose this game. You know, Prattville's going to might make a couple more plays, but but we're not losing this game. Well, the the, the game tomorrow night. You mentioned a couple of things. One that can be good. I mean, I, it actually can be good when when you have a lead like that and uh, things don't go well. I mean, that, that that's great um, coaching points in there, but. 
you know the the senior night uh it it hasn't been a, 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 a you know a banner year for Smiths those are the kinds of things that um that you know at, at times you worry about kids starting to just go ahead and, and look ahead to the playoffs yeah Smiths is you know they have the biggest win in the region and the win that's changing everything in the region and the win that started this region on a weird twisting turning uh, path this year with the win against Prattville at the beginning of the year that win probably is going to be the win that puts Dothan into the playoffs and keeps Prattville out of the playoffs right yeah, um, yeah unless Prattville beat Central tomorrow night and then that puts Prattville, Auburn at the top even, if they win yeah, and even then there can be some tiebreakers. Like it's there's just a lot of weird things that are, that that can still happen in the playoffs as far as seeding. But um, yeah, if you're Auburn, it's a hundred percent. You you got to find a way to make sure that you're locked in on this game. Not so much the senior night. Not so much the talk about next week. Not so much even the potential rematch against Central in a couple of weeks. You need to find a way to make sure you're locked in a hundred percent with with Smith Station. Because nothing would make that team happier than coming in and finding a way to to win this game and end their season on a massive high note with knocking off a top four team in Auburn. Scott, what can you tell us about this Smith State team? Like like Bill was alluding to, it hadn't been a banner year for them. They've lost most of the games they played this year. Um, but you know, looking through their through their scores, like they've put up some points. Put up forty three yeah. on Dothan. They had thirty in that win against Prattville. They're at least putting up a, a few touchdowns every game. Uh, what what can Auburn High expect out of Smith in this in this finale tomorrow night? Look, they're going to be well coached. They got a good coaching staff. They're going to throw a lot of different formations and they're going to run a lot of different stuff that you got to be prepared for. And uh, you know, because if you're not. And they find something they really, really like in high school football. It's kind of hard to make that adjustment on the fly if you're not prepared for it. So that's something that, that, uh, Auburn has to be aware of is that, is that Smith is going to throw a bunch of stuff out there. They also, they got some athletes where if they get the ball in space, you know, they can go make some plays. And even though they haven't had a lot of wins this year, they've still had success. I mean, it was, they played with Opelika straight up in the first half. Um, again, they beat Prattville. They scored all over Dothan. There's been some highlights. They just haven't been able to string together multiple four quarter games, um, this year. And, uh, but, but I, I expect Smith to come out and play well. I expect them to be well coached and, uh, not make a lot of mental mistakes. But, um, at the end of the day, they just haven't had enough of guys out, outside and, uh, and on the line to kind of, uh, give themselves an opportunity in the, in the second half of games. Hey, Scott, real quick, what do you, uh, what do you say when people ask what happened to Opelika, uh, this year? Because that, I mean, it, it was a team that looked like, you know, as, I mean, they, when they beat Central, right? It looked like they were in the mix as one of the top teams in the region and a loss last week finishes the season at five and five. Uh, what, what, uh, uh what sort of what went wrong, uh, for, for the Opelika season as far as, you know, for, from where you sit? Um, I think they got unlucky. Uh, they got banged up and they had a stretch that was holy cow tough. Um, Central, Prattville, Theodore, Auburn, all in a row, all in the middle of the year. Theodore's the number one team in 6A and they might be the most physical team in the state. And you put those four games all in a row, it's really, really tough. And then, you know, Enterprise got lost after they had three region losses early in the year, they lost to Auburn Central, and then Prattville goes down to Enterprise and smokes them, 
and everybody kind of writes them off, and then Enterprise is now probably going to be the three as they figured some things out. Um, they had to play ten games in a row. They got banged up, and they're also incredibly young. There were some some players making some plays at the end of the Auburn Opelika game, and Ron Pate would say, well, "What year is him?" I was like, "That's a sophomore. That's a sophomore. That's a sophomore." The future is very very bright for Opelika. They just kind of have. They, they got kind of unlucky, and they, even in the Dothan game when they needed a win to advance, they had a bunch of penalties and a couple of touchdowns called back. Great stuff as always, Scott. Big ball game tomorrow night, and uh, are there any tickets available? Yeah, there are tickets. Go to GoFan, and you'll be able to get some. Um, again, get there early. It's senior night, uh, so get out there and support this class who has a chance to become the winningest, uh, the winningest class in Auburn High history with a deep run into the playoffs. Also, a week from tonight, basketball gets started. Kind of hard to believe, but Auburn will host Carver next Thursday night. Wow. Uh, we'll check back in with you about that. Um, again, good luck uh, tomorrow night. Have a great broadcast. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. All right. Again, and it's on our sister station, Wings 94.3, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock for the kick. We need to get to our bottom-of-the-hour break. Just uh, got word Al Borges is going to be joining us in about 15 minutes. So uh, stick with us. You can get in, though, our next segment, Wide Open. You can get in the drawing for Auburn-Arkansas tickets or talk some sports with us here on the Thursday Drive. You're live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 26 minutes away from 5 o'clock here on the uh, Thursday edition. I've, I don't know why I keep thinking it's Wednesday. Uh, it's the Thursday drive. Please, please don't make it Wednesday. Let's make no, it Wednesday. No, not, no, no. That, that's further away from the weekend. Uh, I, maybe in my mind it's like uh, I'm, I'm making it one further, one day further away from uh, shoulder surgery on Monday. So mm. maybe that's what it is. Can I, can I, I'm actually looking, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to not feeling the pain. <laughs> in the shoulder. Well, after, yeah, the knee, after the knee stuff. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, this one's a little different. The knee, I had, like, uh, steady pain all the mm-hmm. time. The shoulder doesn't hurt. I mean, I can do a lot of things, but if I just happen to reach one way, it feels like somebody's driven a spike yeah. into my shoulder, yeah. and then it'll sort of lock up, and I'll need to move it until it hurts enough that it pops very loudly. How long, how long so, do you think you're in a sling after surgery? How long uh, a week or two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, unless they find more in there than... Than it looked like on the MRI, and then then, you, then, then we double it. Then you're in that thing forever. Then you double I, it. One, yeah. one of the shoulder. A, one shout out, uh, real quick, because uh, we're, we're, we're going to be at Sky. <laughs> we're going to be at Skybar tomorrow as as part of our uh, our downtown Fridays. You know, another uh, right. home game on Saturday. We'll, we'll be doing tomorrow's show from Skybar tonight. Skybar, oh, it's, it's the contest tonight. Skybar, their first of two Halloween costume contests with over two thousand dollars in prizes oh, in wow. total, uh, giving away, including uh, I believe uh, six hundred dollars uh, cash uh, to the winner. The uh, first place uh, walks away with six hundred dollars cash money. Uh, registration uh, eight p.m. to eleven p.m. Contest begins at eleven thirty p.m. tonight. So do not miss it. Skybar uh, has a, a big time uh, Halloween costume contest going to kick off sort of Halloween festivities in the Auburn Oak area. Maybe it's already been going on. I don't know. No, I was going to say. Uh, I was going to say. So I, I probably won't see you bright and early tomorrow. No, I'm, oh, oh no, I'll make it. I mean, as, I'll make it my usual time. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, okay, that's what I said. And then uh, it's a Friday. I'm not, <laughs> not bright. 
there's, no, there's, a, there are, there are, there's no such thing as a Friday morning. Uh, the, yeah, and, I wish. And uh, and there is uh, and so anyways, but we'll we'll be there tomorrow. Uh, but wanted to uh, let folks know about the uh, uh, yeah the big time uh, costume contest going on tonight uh, downtown at Skybar. Wanted to again uh, in case you're just joining us, we have a pair of tickets for the Auburn Arkansas game Saturday morning at eleven, and uh, you can get into the drawing. We're going to draw for these just before the end of the show. So everybody that calls in and lets Drew know. We'll go into the drawing, so we'll do that. And and Justin, I wanted to ask you, you were talking about uh, the uh, disparate uh, number of basketball questions as compared to just two football. What were the two football questions in the mailbag? Uh, one of them was about Bo Nix, which was kind of funny, and another one was about, like, it actually had more to do with like the AD search and just like how like the timeline of everything could could go down. Um, and, and, what, and what have you heard on that? I've heard as much as same, anybody same else thing. has. It's like m- maybe sometime soon. Maybe. Yeah. I think it'll be before the Iron Bowl. That's about all I can it tell had you. Better be, yeah. It had better be at least a couple of weeks. At least a couple of weeks before the Iron Bowl, I feel. Yeah, I, I I don't think Auburn's necessarily losing a ton and not having somebody right now. because Nor do I, right now. Uh, you don't want to, yeah. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to start feeling differently. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with that. And then, uh, yeah, there was a question about if Bo Nix looked like this or if he would have progressed to this level or he's at Oregon now at Auburn, like how much does that change? It's like, honestly, not a whole lot because... Um, I don't know that Bo Nix would look like he did, like he does at Oregon. Right. Even if he had the same coaching that he has at Oregon with this situation at Auburn, with with this... Uh, supporting cast and, the, and the, an offensive line. And what you're seeing from Bo Nix at Oregon isn't necessarily what Brian Harson wants in his offense, right? I mean, we heard True. about a power running game all off season. That's not Oregon. Like it's not a, I mean so no. which which would maybe shine some light on some of the uh, differences of opinion or personality differences that may have led Bo Nix to leave after the 2021 uh, season. Yeah. Not much of a fit for uh, for what Brian Harson uh, would like to do. You would also maybe notice that, with the exception of Robbie Ashford, it's not like Brian Harson has recruited a lot of Bo Nix esque quarterbacks to Auburn. No, and I Robbie know, Robbie I don't Ashford know, I don't know was if the scheme had anything to do with it. Honestly, yeah. could be some other things going on too. Mm-hmm. No, I just <laughs> don't want to dismiss mm-hmm. the uh, you know there could could be a lot of factors there. You know, you know. Speaking of which, since we're talking about players leaving, uh, that that sort of plays. Yeah, into that's the, been the theme for the last yeah. twenty four hours. You know, something we've talked about on the show, Justin, and I wonder if maybe we're too hyper focused on it, or if it's something that's that's uh, flying under the radar a little bit. I mean, this is the first year of a lot of new rules as far as what players can and can't do during a season. Sure. You have the portal window. Uh, you have the fact that the portal is, yeah, the portal's not open for players during the season unless their coach is fired at midseason, which is also sort of an interesting uh, thing because you wonder how much that factors into decision-making at, at administrative levels. Um, but what what is your reaction to sort of the, um, you know, the, 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 the folks who look at the players deciding to uh, go into the transfer portal, announce their intention to go into the transfer portal as... A breaking point or evidence that no. you know, it, it's it's a symptom this of something is, larger. Yeah, this is a symptom of something larger. Now it, it is it is magnified here because of what's going on with the football team right now. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a problem. But there was a story uh, a few weeks ago that a guy I used to work with at the Athletic, Antonio Morales, who covers USC and West Coast recruiting, wrote about how this is this whole sit out 
to transfer and keep your eligibility thing has happened in a lot of places. USC had a few guys do this already. SMU, Rhett Lashley. Oh, they had a, they had a few. They had a, they had a rash of guys doing that. So it's a little different because it's – well, it's a lot different because it's the second year of a guy instead of first year, unlike USC and SMU. But this has happened in a lot of places. There, I mean, I would be I would be surprised if there is any Power 5 or you know FBS team in the country that doesn't have at least one of these situations happening. It's just this week I think it all kind of ra- ramped up because – you get out of the off week, right? And for a guy like Landon King, you already knew he was gone, but you, you're, in, you're past the halfway point of the season. You look around and you're like, okay, I'm not in the plans. I'm not in the plans of what, what this coaching staff is doing. Um, so why do I waste a year of my eligibility when I can go somewhere else and play and, and you know what, hang back. And there's a line, obviously, you you cross where it's like, all right, do you do you stay with the team? Do you leave? Well, how, that's what we were talking about yesterday. How how can a coach? And and, and I'm not I'm not you know just saying this from Brian Harson's stand uh, standpoint or point of view. How can a coach be okay with a player right. still being with the team if they're not? Going to be not available be, to yeah. play. If you're yeah. all, I mean, it's a that, tough, it's, it's a tough situation I, I on see, both sides. Yeah, yes. no question. Hundred percent. If you're all but in the transfer portal, do you really want a player who's who's basically t- you know preserving that? And maybe they're not going into the transfer portal, but if they're preserving their eligibility to explore their options after the season's over, I can understand why a coach wouldn't want a player in that mind frame around the rest of his players. Right. Like, I, I, I could totally yeah. understand. You know, you don't want yeah. you know it's we- something that you're going to have to manage or something. Yeah. 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 It's it's something you're going to have to manage and. It's, it's not going going away anytime soon. And something else to keep in mind, Landon King is a little bit different because he didn't redshirt last year. But we're seeing Auburn players who had have already used their redshirt year. A.D. Diamond yeah. redshirted last season. And so did Tavares Dawson. Tavares Dawson redshirted last season. We're seeing guys do this. They're not, they're not sitting out to redshirt. Yeah. They're sitting out just... They're done. They're sitting you out know, to go into yeah. the transfer portal on December fifth. Like it has nothing to. I mean, Landon King has a redshirt. Now they'll to, be to eligible game, immediately in the next spot. But yeah, they they already used their redshirt. Yeah, they'd be they're, eligible immediately if even if they played in the next mm-hmm. few games. And so can, that that's not what it's about. It's not about saving my eligibility. It's just like I've had enough of this situation. I'm out. And and yeah. I can understand why if you think back to when Joey Gatewood decided to reopen his recruitment uh, in the middle of the season and and leave the Auburn team. Uh, that also. Uh, the consideration was, I don't want to get injured and not be available for my next team. If mm-hmm. I know I don't believe in this situation, if I know it's not going to work, if I know I'm, that the future for me isn't here, then maybe withdraw yourself from the from the team and, and preserve your health for the next program. Because, I mean, you think about what, well, like one of these guys we're talking about, like if they're, if they're on the fence, right, and they, they, you know, pop their knee or their Achilles or something on the practice field next week, like that... I mean that that could ruin the rest of their college football career. So I can understand where if if you know that your you know your future's not here, uh, then then maybe it's best for all parties involved to not be uh, to, to not be participating. But from the coach's standpoint, if you know your future's not here, uh, maybe it's best for all parties involved that you're not participating. And and I I mean yeah I mean I I guess I, that's where I don't like are the, the notion that you're still on the team. But you've declared yourself ineligible for the season. Well, fortunately, sort of... your your tuition has been paid for. You're you're on yeah. scholarship. But but yeah, I don't I don't see where where you're uh, still part of the team. All right, so I just got an update. Al Borges is at, at Auburn football practice right oh. now and said, uh, "Can he watch that for a little while longer? How about we we'll do it 
around 5:45. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get yeah, out. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna say no, no. Hey, pull away from practice. Maybe we'll get a little insight from uh, from Al as to uh, is there anybody out there practicing? Maybe they ask Al Borges a couple of questions. <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if it, if if they had him if he, they had him say something to the team. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean he's done there that. Some, there's done that there's some times. crossover with them and that staff. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, he recruited, West I, I believe he mm-hmm. recruited he recruited Brian Harson uh, to to uh, Boise State, but oh, left, yeah. left before uh, left before Harson got there. There was some there's some overlap with him and Keesaw yes. at, Port, at Portland State, mm-hmm. and then he of course coached Cadillac Williams uh, in 2004. So I mean, that's three and was and was uh, offense coordinator at San Jose State when uh, some several of these coaches were at Boise State. That's right. Man, yeah. faced him faced him in the league too. All right, we, we'll uh, we'll get to our final break. And uh, and then we'll be back with phone calls. Again, don't forget, everybody can uh, get into a drawing for a pair of Auburn-Arkansas tickets. Greg, hold on. You're up first when we come back here on the Thursday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Thursday Drive. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline and Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, guys. How y'all? All right. Good to hear from you, Greg. Man, good to talk to y'all. Uh, appreciate you taking my call. Um, I had a few things yesterday. I, I was kind of about to run in a bad spot, so I couldn't really say a lot. Um, I want to ask, uh, you know, we've all talked about, you know, what things maybe could have been. Uh, a few breaks and this, you know, just never going seemingly under Harson, uh, especially after toward the end of last year. I mean, we just never caught a break. Uh, literally, only thing we caught breaks in was players getting hurt. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm wondering, you know, I, I look back at, you know, I'm going to ask a few questions. I'm going to eventually, when I hang up, listen, I want to, you know, see what y'all say and what you might be hearing. But what, uh, what's your opinion? What do you think? Anything would be different. Uh, first question: Do you think anything would be different if uh, all the stuff in the summer hadn't happened with Harson? And uh, next question is: uh, Regardless if he stays or if he goes, um, new athletic director and everything. I know under Green we had some. Uh, they kind of tightened up on the budget and all this. Um, we got a big. You know, we're gonna have a big gap. You know, we all seen it coming. Um, but we're not sitting real good right now in recruiting. Um, what kind of money are they going to turn loose? I mean, I know kind of looking at numbers, old numbers, uh, you know, y'all might be more up to date on it, but, you know, we under, we in the 750 to 900,000 range on spending on recruiting, if even that. Uh, what's that looking like going forward? Are they, are, are, is the staff capped or is that all they're asking for? I mean, I know usually you got to, you ask for a certain amount and then you got to use it, you know, what kind of efforts are we going to throw toward recruiting? Or are we going to know that under a new athletic director? Or, or is that staff by staff basis? Uh, kind of what, what's that going to look like? I mean, I know we got, we're going, we got a lot of ground to make up. So that's I mean, a really, Greg, that second question's a really, really good one that I, I'd never considered before. I know you, I was watching Justin sort of listen to it and it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's a, an interesting thing. To, to get to your first one, uh, as far as the, the, what could have been different 
to change what's happened this year. I still think the most important thing would have been to recruit impact high school and transfer portal players yeah. that were in school and enrolled at Auburn and, but, by January. Right. And the timeline for the investigation is most of the players I'm talking about made their recruiting decisions in November and December. If you remember correctly, if you remember correctly, the investigation comes after a fruitless after Auburn day. signed zero yeah. players in February. I, to Greg's point, I don't know how much changes this year with uh with with Auburn. In terms of uh, in terms of like on the field results, it obviously affects recruiting. It obviously affects the tone of of Brian Harson and, and like a lot of a lot of what's happening around. I don't think it changes that much on the field because I don't think you get impact players over the next few months. You know, if that doesn't happen, talent retention and talent acquisition would have changed what happened on the field in December. And that's November, big picture. Yeah, and that's November and December at the right. latest, but that's before the investigation. And I think that more affects 2023 and beyond more than what happened in 2022. Like, if Brian Harson gets fired, right, people are going to point back to, well, he never had a chance. Look at what happened in February. Well, it's like, okay, look at what happened. You know, in the in November, it, yeah, exactly. November of twenty twenty one. Well, and and, you and and something else to keep in mind. It's just going to be a late critique. If if you had added a few more players, is there any guarantee how much they would have played? You look at some of the more highly touted freshmen Auburn had last year; they didn't play much. This staff, Brian Harson, has shown uh, that that um, how much is Craig he's, he's hesitant to play newcomers. Throw them right in and play them an awful. Asante, Where's Robert Woodyard? Asante. That's and, right. And, uh, Asante and, and uh, McDonald. I mean, you went out and got two veteran, uh, yeah, two veteran transfer look, players. Look, and they're who's not, who's the most highly touted? Who was the most highly touted freshman Auburn signed last year? Wasn't Robert, it Robert, Robert Woodyard? Robert Woodyard yeah. And have we seen him a couple of times on special teams? Has Auburn had problems at linebacker? Oh my goodness, yes. It's 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 you know I this might be sacrilegious to say. I think Powell Gordon with, could have helped this team. Yeah, I, this, right might, now. this might be sacrilegious to say well, to a bunch of Auburn fans, but I, I, a week-by-week basis, we're getting to the point where lineback- inside linebackers is as big of a problem as your offensive line is um, because it's just not making an impact. It's not making an impact in the game. I wrote about it earlier this week. Auburn has a half of a tackle for loss combined from their inside linebackers this year. And you had years of Zacoby McClain and K.J. Britt and Deshaun Davis – and not having a guy like the, one of those is coming home mm-hmm. in a big way. Greg, to Greg, second yeah, question, the second question was a, a you know big sprawling question, but I wanted yeah, to no, it's it, it's it, and it's a really fascinating one as well. I think it is kind of going to be on a whoever the AD is, whoever the next staff is, if that if that's the case. But yeah, Auburn does not spend as much, and we're not talking NIL. We're talking about you know the, the people, recruiting budget, the budget, the manpower, the the travel, and all that. They don't spend as much on that. As Alabama, as Georgia, some of these other places. But Auburn, but Auburn was Auburn was still in the top four or five in I the mean, league. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, I, that, and I don't think it's just that's the, not the reason that Auburn no. doesn't have or hasn't added more talent I, lately. I think you can always improve. You can always upgrade. You can always get better in that area. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what that opinion is for whoever's in charge here moving forward for Auburn. But secondly, I do think that. Um, the reason why Alabama and Georgia have really good recruiting classes isn't because they're spending the most money. It helps, but they're, it's they're, success they're also... rotates into more success, mm-hmm. right? And, and it just keeps going. Let's get uh, to John before we run out of time here in hour number one. Hey, John. Hey, guys. I'll be concise. Uh, football's depressing. 
honestly, the administration just doesn't give a damn about winning. I don't know why fans should. At some point, we just tune it out. But I actually was calling at one point, uh, unrelated, just a heads up, uh, Jeff Perlman has a new book out on Bo Jackson and having a book signing in Auburn tomorrow night at, I think, 530. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to let people know about that. That's a great book. And when is the, when is the football complex going to be done? That was my question. It's getting close. It's supposed to be okay. either by the end of the year, by by at least spring ball next year. Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to be the end of the year. They're getting they're getting putting the finishing touches yeah, hey, By it. the way, Jeff Perlman's going to be on the line. Tomorrow oh, is that right? Very tomorrow. cool. Yeah. Jeff Perlman's book about the 86 Mets is wonderful. The Bad Guys Won right. is, is one of the best books about a team or a, or a season that I've ever read. Uh, the Lakers book that they adapted for the HBO series uh, is really, really Showtime, good. Showtime, yeah. yeah. Winning Time, I think, was the... Or, yeah, Showtime was the Showtime book. Showtime was the name of the book. Was the they, book. Winning Time they, they, they couldn't, they couldn't yeah, name they couldn't an HBO show. couldn't use that because of Showtime. Yeah, HBO, right. HBO's, HBO's yeah, HBO's HBO show couldn't be called Showtime. But, but no, but yeah, yeah, Jeff Perlman's a, uh, a, a really, really good sports writer and, uh, yeah, really looking forward to... Oh, the Brett Favre book is fascinating, too. Not as cheerful as, uh, as some of the other ones, but the Brett Favre book is good, too. But yeah, Bre- uh, Jeff Perlman, uh, his, his book about Bo Jackson uh, is uh, available now, and mm-hmm. uh, you should uh, you should go to that signing if you can. We got somebody else? No. Oh, okay. Um, John, you got anything else? Uh, I, no, I'm good. Thank you. All, all right. Day, Appreciate the call, John. All right, we need to step aside. Our top-of-the-hour break coming up. All right, and our ever-shifting uh, time. Yes, I, 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 I'm waiting for a confirmation now. Coach Borges, I think, is about done watching practice. Uh, so he will be on following David Pascal, who will be up first next hour. You can still call in, though, while we're talking with those guys if you want to get into the drawing for the Auburn-Arkansas football tickets. We're halfway done here on the Thursday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Doug Brown with breaking news. The Bengals' top receiver, Jamar Chase, not at practice today and could miss four to six weeks with a hip injury. He got hurt initially in week six against the Saints. Chase has already seen a specialist and is still getting second opinions. NFL Week 8 kicks off tonight in Tampa. The 3-4 and four Buccaneers hosting the 4-3 and three Ravens. Former Ravens running back Justin Forsett says the team's record could be even better. Man, just not finishing. Not executing uh, in the crunch time, in the, in the moments uh, when they count uh, in the fourth quarter. You see they play, they're playing well for three quarters, and then they just fall off and, and, and or take, their, take their foot off the gas pedal at the end of the game, and it's been costing them. Justin Forsett on KJ and Max. Bucks defensive lineman Akeem Hicks out for the sixth game in a row with a foot injury. This game just the second time Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson play against each other. Patriots coach Bill Belichick confirms today Mac Jones is now fully recovered from a high ankle sprain, and he's ready to start Sunday's game against the Jets. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits, and one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com careers and apply online today. 
Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. And uh, we, we, have a, we have a fun show lined up this hour. Uh, as we have two special guests that will be joining us, we'll talk with David Pascal from the uh, Chattanooga Times Free Press, just wrapping up his show, Press Row, on ESPN Chattanooga. And uh, then um, the second segment this hour, we're going to talk with former Auburn offensive coordinator Al Borges who we've talked to a couple of times as he's been uh, writing and and finishing up his book, Deny the Tiger. It's out. He is in town, and we'll have a couple of uh, signing book signings over the weekend. We'll talk with him for a few minutes as well. He was over at Auburn's football practice, as a matter of fact, a little while ago, so we'll talk with him in the second segment. Uh, But in the meantime, you can call in uh, if you'd like a pair of tickets to the Auburn Arkansas game. We'll have our guests, but Drew can get your name and your information if you would like to be in a drawing for Auburn Arkansas tickets for the game Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. All right, hour number two of the drive brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And uh, we'll be going to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. You can call in, though, if you want to get in the drawing for those tickets. Uh, and the Kia of Auburn Hotline is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They're an Alabama-based firm offering incredible opportunities for students seeking a great career without attending a four-year college. You can call 334-209-6355 to learn more about Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. Welcome in our regular guest here in this spot on Thursdays. And as I said, that's David Pascal from Chattanooga. David, how you doing today? Bill and Dan, I'm doing marvelous. I hope y'all are. Oh, yeah, we're, we're doing fine. Looking forward to another... Uh, interesting, to say the least, um, college football weekend. We got, we got Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer hanging out with us as well, David, and uh, and I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna jump into the conversation. David, uh, let where do where do we start? Do, we, do you go back to last weekend? Yeah, we usually. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I there thought, were a couple of things worth worth talking about. I thought from last the way weekend. LSU ran away from Ole Miss was maybe the story in the conference last weekend. For they sure. strike me, especially when you think back to. The first half of that Florida State LSU game, they strike me as a team that could be a prime candidate for the most improved team in college football from the first or second week of the season to what they could end up being in November. What are you oh, yeah. seeing from LSU? What did you think of what they did to Ole Miss? Well, I want to start off by saying Justin Ferguson's a good guy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, how about you no? Know, LSU is so bizarre. I mean, they they sit there, they control their fate. 
Uh, and they, they're getting outscored 54 to 10 in the first quarters of games this season in league play. So it's a, it's just a very strange dynamic. I mean, y'all witnessed it at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly witnessed it when I went down to Baton Rouge and Tennessee pounced on them. But, uh, you know, even, even Florida State, they got behind uh, and had to come back. But yeah, it's a very weird dynamic. But again, you know, LSU is one of those strange teams at the beginning of the year that had a, they had to play a bunch of freshmen on deep on offense, excuse me, and a lot of transfers on defense. And of course, their transfer quarterback Jaden Daniels. I mean, uh, I I just thought that Florida State game. I was like, "Ooh, LSU could be in for a long year." But his upside is as Florida learned at the swamp and at Ole Miss certainly learned throughout the other day. I mean, he's got a really nice upside. And so, yeah, they are they are clearly the you know Tennessee's obviously the surprise overall being number three in the country but lsu has just been fantastic yeah well you know what it beats the alternative i mean uh, auburn's the complete opposite they they generally are, are pretty good early on and then uh, it, it's gone downhill after that but but yeah we, we get we'll get to auburn in a little bit I, I, the other game that was really interesting uh yet yet another uh, another shot to the uh, to the stomach of texas a&m as shane beamer in south carolina five and two now you know, and they're doing it with the old hidden yardage, you know. I mean, South Carolina's offense has been brutal. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd's a nice running back. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Rattler's been real inconsistent. But if you look, uh, South Carolina leads the nation in kickoff returns. They're like top 10 or 11 in the country in punt returns. And they're way up there, too, in interception return yardage. So they are finding it's kind of like, you know, it's, Apple doesn't fall far. I mean, it's Beamer ball. It's, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're winning in unexpected ways. But, um, you know, and, and you think you go back to last year, they, they won a couple of big games. And we've talked about this, how that was kind of more of, of, of Florida's implosion late last year and, and Auburn scrambling to replace Bo Nix right after he went down. But so South Carolina had a couple of wins that looked good when you beat a Florida and an Auburn. But, I think it had more to do with the, the teams they were beating not being that great at that point. But even when they won those games, there were still like 10,000 empty seats at williams Bryce. So I don't know if it was kind of a delayed belief or whatever, but, I mean, he certainly has that place pretty energized right now because you could just tell watching TV the other night, that place was pretty geeked up to beat Texas A&M for the first time. And, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible when you think about what's going on at A&M. Three and four yeah. for their very first time as an SEC member and uh, just just no I know they've been injured at quarterback but they haven't gotten you know you think about teams like Auburn and Texas A&M and you're just like you know you know the teams like Tennessee and 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 now with LSU with the way Daniels is playing the quarterback play is everything and yep. and and Auburn and Texas A&M have really uh, been inconsistent in those areas and that's why they're both sitting there 3 and 4 for a huge reason. Uh, David I want to ask you about A&M specifically and Jimbo in particular, the fact that his offense, you know, and, and Auburn's in this boat as well, that you're just a tick above Iowa this season in terms of moving the ball and scoring it is one thing. But Jimbo Fisher, like for Auburn, you know, if they if if they get to the end of the season and they want to cut ties with Brian Harson, it's a whole lot more manageable than if Texas A and M wants to move on from from Jimbo yeah, Fisher. Yeah, it's about uh, one sixth. Yeah, I know the price of oil is is doing well right now, but. Like, what can A&M do at this point? What can Jimbo do at this point? Because I don't think anybody imagined that they would fall off this hard this quickly this season. 
Yeah, and I mean, even just this week alone, I mean, he had to suspend, you know, three or four members of that number one class, and and that was a day after he announced that three offensive linemen are out for the season. Two of them started four games. The third started a couple of games. So, yeah, it is definitely one of those everything that can go wrong is right now in College Station, and and I'm not sure I'm not sure what he can do because. I mean, again, I hate to keep harping on this. I, I think Auburn is paying the price for, for firing Gus Malzahn in a pandemic without anybody really lined up uh, to replace him. And, and so if you're Texas A&M, who do you get? I mean, who, who is a quality candidate out there right now? I, you know, I'm just, I'm just not sure what that market is. But, yeah, it's crazy. And if, I, know, I know there are people out there, it's, it sounds foreign to people like all of us, but there are people out there that can write those size checks if they ever wanted to do something like that. But, boy, if they were to get rid of, of, uh, of Jimbo, that would be just staggering as far as the financial implication. It would also show that every coach, if they did cut ties, every, every team but Alabama, Georgia, and Kentucky – would have made a change in the last three years in the SEC. I tell you what, if they're if they're making, I mean, and and I'm I'm skeptical because of the amount of money. Even though I do understand right. that there are folks at A and M that could make it happen. If you fire Jimbo Fisher with the amount of money you're paying him, you probably need to think about letting Ross Bjork go for giving him that kind of contract extension uh, pretty recently. I, I wonder. I wonder if the AD takes some heat if you're firing a coach and paying him that kind of buyout because the performance on the field is unacceptable. I wonder if you you were saying uh, what could they do. An offensive coordinator and a quarterback? Like, is, is that, is that, yeah, the move? Oh, like, with, without, yeah, without firing without, Jimbo, without yeah. firing Jimbo, if would Jimbo be, would give up I mean, play calling. Could, could A&M lure a Garrett Riley or a whoever the hot name could be to, to come be there, you know, to, to come be the court, you know, the guy that up, updates the Jimbo Fisher offense and finds the NFL quarterback that he needs to have to be successful because we've seen that when he doesn't have one, he just, he just doesn't have an offense. Well, and you know, Eli Drinkwitz came out this week and said maybe it's time for him to give up play calling. And, and you know, sometimes that's always, that can be like the next to last step mm-hmm. of your coaching that's regime right. coming to a close. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, an example of that not happening is, is, you know, Mark Rick late in the 06 season turned the play calling over to Mike Bobo. And that, you know, Rick lasted another nine years. So it doesn't always happen that way. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know why. They can't hit Texas A&M. Can't hit on a quarterback. That just makes no sense to me. So I've, I've seen plenty of Haynes King uh, to know that I just don't think that's the answer. And um, you know, Max Johnson obviously hadn't been healthy. Uh, and then I, you know, with the freshman that came in the other day, I, I you know, I don't want to just you know make my decision off of that verdict. But I mean, uh, you know, it just looks like he's got some work to do too. But. You know, Jimbo's coaching career, very strange as a head coach, because outside of E.J. Manuel and Jameis Winston, he's been very mediocre. Talking with David Pascal from uh, Chattanooga, from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga here on the Thursday Drive. Uh, let's look at a couple of games this weekend that are that are really interesting. Um, well, let, let, actually, we'll, we'll start with the one that usually gets the most publicity. Um, Georgia, a, a three-touchdown-plus favorite, over the Gators, uh, do you, you you think that's uh, that's fair? I definitely think it's fair. Um, what's wild is this is the first time in almost fifty years that Georgia is playing Florida and Tennessee back to back. And what's wild is you've got you've got the the you know coaches and players down there having to answer questions of 
are you looking ahead to next week's game against Tennessee? And and you'll love this trivia because you'll remember it. Um, if if Tennessee wins this week and Georgia wins this week, it'll be the first top three showdown ever inside Sanford Stadium. There's been a top wow. four showdown before, and that was in 1983 when Auburn went over there mm-hmm. uh, on the way to the SEC title and Dye's first title run. Uh, Auburn went over there and beat Georgia 13 to seven. Uh, between the hedges, and that's the only top four showdown that's ever been in Sanford Stadium. This would be the first top three. So I bring that up just to say I do think there is the careful don't don't look ahead element because I mean maybe there is some of that to some degree with both Georgia and Tennessee this weekend. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um, you know the thing about Florida that's so mystifying is they do have a nice offensive line. They can run the ball. Um, you know, of course, Anthony Richardson certainly torched Tennessee through the air, but a lot of quarterbacks do. Um, but Florida's defense is just so dreadful. And the fact that teams are converting uh, 53% of the time on third down is just insane. So I think if Georgia can pound out the first downs and Bennett, you know, hitting Bowers and Washington. I mean, I do think that that has the potential. I think that's a pretty good line. I think I picked it 33 to 10 in the paper today. That's one of those things you were talking about, uh, Texas A&M not being able to find a quarterback. When, when Florida has a, a talent problem on defense, right? It's like, well, how did that happen with the players that come out of the state of Florida every year to go play college football? How much trouble... How much pressure is Napier under to improve before the end of this season? And if it if it doesn't start trending in a better direction by the end of the regular season this year, is Billy Napier under more heat than just about any second-year coach in the country going into next year? I, I, I get where you're coming from because you are talking about, I mean, you could probably argue that you're most impatient fan bases in the SEC, it might be Auburn in the West and Florida in the East. I mean, Florida, you know, once Furrier got there and set that bar, everybody's had to live up to him since, and that is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think with the way Mullen, the Mullen era ended, with just his lack of desire to recruit and just how bad they were, and, you know, you've got UCF cleaning their clock in the bowl game, and they're winding up 6-7, and seven. I think that has given – Napier time to build it the way he wants to. It's just, you know, we do live in the transfer portal era and you're expected to build things quicker than before, especially when you're at a place like Florida. So I would still tend to lead to no next year. I mean, you know, but obviously that third year becomes big, but I mean, all these timetables are sped up so much more than they were a, a generation ago. But if, if, if Napier really was on the hot seat year two, then you are starting to kind of talk about the definition of insanity down there if all you're wanting to do is change coaches. Well, it probably doesn't hurt uh, Billy Napier that, that there are no teams from the state of Florida in the top 25. I mean, if somebody right. else down there was, was having a much better year, that would probably increase the heat a little. I agree. I agree. And I, th- I think they're doing well in recruiting, and so – um, but you're right. I mean, especially when you when you talk about this defense, it's not like they're trotting eleven walk-ons out there. I mean, no. Brenton Cox was a five star. Dexter was a five star. You got Dean and some guys that were like high four stars. I mean, that's a not. I mean, you look on paper and you're like, why are they this dreadful? But they are. Uh, I I think the Kentucky Tennessee game will be closer than the Georgia Florida game. I still think Tennessee wins and fairly comfortably. But uh, I think this one could be closer. What do you? Yeah, and I think it's uh, that thing that spread's been close to 
uh, two touchdowns. I think it's probably more in that 11 or 12-point range. I, th- I think Tennessee mm-hmm. wins by two scores, but not sure if it's a full 14. And, boy, you talk about just contrasting styles. Uh, when you talk about plays per minute, Tennessee runs 2.88 plays per minute. Kentucky runs 1.87. Uh, Kentucky's the most deliberate team in all of college football. They are 131st when it comes to plays run per minute. So, uh, Heifel even said at the beginning of the week, he has already warned his team, we're not going to get the same amount of possessions we get in a typical game. We have got to stay true to who we are when we do have the ball. Uh, so, I mean, that's going to be a challenge. Kentucky's a very interesting, I don't know what Kentucky's best at. I mean, they have a quarterback that a lot of people think will be the top overall pick, but they don't have the reliability of a Wandale Robinson at receiver like they did a year ago. They've got a fantastic freshman in Barry and Brown who's coming along nicely. But, you know, since Chris Rodriguez has been back, he's rushed for 395 yards their last three games. So they're kind of back to the pounded out kind of style. So, you know, Tennessee is very good on run defense. I mean, they're eighth in the country against the run. They're dreadful against the pass, so wouldn't surprise me if you did try to see a lot of Levis throwing it around. I'm just curious how uh, Kentucky's, you know, trying to pound out the yards against Tennessee's run defense. I think whoever kind of wins that facet of the game goes a long way in determining the outcome. Auburn and Arkansas Saturday at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, David, I, I found something in my research this week. K.J. Jefferson has never won an SEC road game in regulation. He has one road game in conference. He has one road win in conference. It was in Baton Rouge last year in overtime. So looking for his first win uh, in regulation uh, on the road as an SEC quarterback seems like and, and Arkansas, Arkansas has is looking for their first win over Auburn in regulation in ten years. That's right. And Arkansas. I was about to say that was the stat I was going to break. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't for that four overtime game in fifteen, Auburn have a huge streak. Yeah, it'd be nice. That, that was six. Is, that, that was six Arkansas coaches ago, right? I mean. <laughs> The 2012. I mean, that's. I mean, we're we're, we're working our way back there. That's John. Yeah, is I that John? Is that John Smith in 2012? Is that after Petrino? Is that that might be John Smith was 2012, but in that that was the year that uh, Arkansas came to Auburn and won like 24 to seven in that game. So, right. so, so the, John, the four, so, the four overtime game was 15 out in Fayetteville. So John L. Smith was the last Arkansas coach to, to beat, beat Auburn in regulation. To beat Auburn in regulation. Correct. Right. Correct. <laughs> What Probably you, not yeah. a story angle that's being hit on a lot this week. Uh, what, no, what, I haven't heard it. Yeah, what, what do you think of what do you think's going to happen? <laughs> what do you think's going to happen Saturday, David? Uh, I mean, Arkansas's defense has been very pedestrian. Uh, as we know, Auburn's offense has been, uh, you know, I know they showed a little more life. They've been standing on the side of the road. They haven't even been pedestrians. Well, I mean, but they showed more times of life against Ole Miss, but then Ole Miss goes to Baton Rouge and it looks <laughs> like it did. So, yeah, this is kind of the uh, resistible object and movable force, or however you say that, resistible force, movable object. Um, I like Arkansas by just a little bit in this game just because I think, uh, you know, Arkansas has got the confidence of going out to BYU and getting that last win before the open date. But, I mean, this does feel kind of like the, the last stand. I mean, Auburn certainly has a chance to win this ball game. Uh, it's just, do, will they believe in the fourth quarter if this thing's tight? Because there have been just so many examples of things going wrong in the second half, as you guys are witness to uh, each Saturday. 
Yeah, an- another fun week, I'm sure, this weekend uh, in in the SEC and around the country. Uh, David, I know we've held you. We, we, we've got to run as well. Let everybody know how they can keep up with everything that you do up there in Chattanooga. Yeah, timesfreepress.com and ESPNChattanooga.com. And, folks, next week we can have all sorts of fun. How about that doubleheader of Tennessee, Georgia, Bama, LSU? I mean, that's where your divisions are going to be decided. No question about it. Great stuff again, David. Thanks a lot. Have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you again next time. You guys take care. Uh, David Pascal joining us from Chattanooga. We're going to get to our first break. When we come back, uh, we're going to check in with uh, Coach Al Borges here on the Thursday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, and a we're, we're joined by a special guest here for the next few minutes. Back in town and going to be uh, having a couple of book signings. That's uh, former Auburn offensive coordinator Al Borges. Uh, Al, how are you doing today? Great, Bill. What's going on, man? Uh, man, a, a, a lot, obviously. I mean, here we are. We're coming down the stretch of an SEC uh, baseball season. Auburn's without an athletics director right now. We're wondering how things are going. understand you got a chance to uh, catch a little of football practice. Yeah, just a matter of fact, we just left there. I got a chance to talk to Brian a little bit. and Saw my man Cadillac. Warms the cockles of my heart to see him. And Zach Etheridge, you know, some guys that were around when I was here. And then, God, I can't even count how many other people. There's a lot of... You know, the support staff and such, Chet Williams, and, oh, man, the names go on and on. So it was a nice chance to, to visit some people I haven't seen in a while. Oh, that's great. It was great great that you're back in town, and, and you're here now that uh, uh, Deny the Tiger is out, and you're going uh, to be available for a couple of book signings the next couple of days, right? Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, uh, I'm going to be at J&M from 3 to 5. Uh to sign books and, you know, just meet some of the people and, you know, get a chance to see the Auburn fan base again, which I really didn't have a chance, uh, having that chance to do. Uh, you know, I did a little bit when I came back for the uh, Iron Bowl last year, but that'll be fun to get a chance to see some of the people. And then on uh, from 8 to 9 on Saturday, and I'm going to have to skip out of there quick because I've got a 9.30 deal with a tailgate show. So, uh, a couple opportunities if people have time. I'd love to see them and uh, maybe reminisce a little bit. Oh, I'm sure folks would would love that. And uh, uh, yeah, you you were talking about uh, seeing Cadillac. Man, he looks like he could still play. Oh, he could. And I'm Zach, he could. I I saw him today. He came over, and hugged me, about broke my back. Yeah, he he's uh he's still in pretty good shape and as fired up as he's ever been, which really is cool. I mean, he's he's taken to coaching like he did to playing. And I think it's infectious with his players. Coach, uh, Auburn's got Arkansas on Saturday. The 2004 Auburn-Arkansas game, maybe not as memorable as some of the other games from that season. But there's a, I think it's a double pass 
right? That game, really early on in the Auburn-Arkansas game, there is a either a flea flicker or a, a double pass into a flea flicker where Campbell goes really deep down the field for a touchdown to open things up. I'm wondering, just because it's Auburn-Arkansas week, you remember the play I'm talking about, I'm guessing, and, and any memories oh, of that of that, of that Auburn-Arkansas game from 04? Yeah, that made, that made my, uh, my book. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think it was around Halloween, so I called it Trick or Treat. It was, uh, uh, and it's around Halloween now, now that I think about it. But we were, uh, you know, they had a, they were really quick, uh, quickly forcing their safeties. We could see it on the video that they were, they, they felt like they really had to stop our run. And I knew early in the game when they were still fresh and fired up, where you're going to get some pretty gross reactions from their secondary. So we put in a flea flicker where, we pitched the ball to Cadillac, who flipped it back to Courtney Taylor, who flipped it back to, to uh, Jason Campbell, and then uh, Devin Aroma shoot around what I call a slow post, where he broke inside, pretend like he was going to crack the safety, and then bolted down the middle of the field. And oh God, they all came flying up. Of course, when Cadillac get the ball, he got a lot of attention. You know. Oh so, yeah. Uh, we got yeah. Dan was Dan was just playing it for me, and uh, Jason uh, Jason wanted to make sure he didn't overthrow him. No, yeah, and I told him, I said, if, if he's not ridiculously open, don't throw it. But if he is ridiculously open, don't miss him. So, I said, even if he's got to slow down a little bit, we'll take the big chunk of yardage if we don't get the touchdown. But he threw it pretty good. I mean, and he was so open, goodness gracious. He caught it, and Dev made a nice run after it, too. I think he mm-hmm. dragged the guy in the end zone. So. But it was timely. It was a, it was a good. And then the coaches, I remember we practiced. I go, it wouldn't look very good practice, Okay. And a lot of guys, Al, are you sure you want to run? I said, we're running it, doggone it. We're going to run it. It's got with a hard head on this one. If it don't work, you can blame me. You know, but when it was all said and done, thank goodness it worked. Oh, yeah. And it was one of those games where, doggone everything worked that day. Oh no, that that really wasn't. It was a it was a pretty good Arkansas team. Another the win loss record didn't turn out that great, but it, you know Auburn Auburn made short work of a team that had some uh, some high hopes and some uh, some talented players on it. So yeah, it's a uh, great to look back on that really special 2004 season. Uh, how's the uh, uh, how's the reaction to the book uh, so far? What, what have oh. you heard from folks who have uh, have gotten a chance to see it? Yeah, goodness, I bet it's just been wonderful. I mean, I, I don't know where to start. I mean, I, and I'm no author, believe me. I'm, I just put together a bunch of thoughts and memories and tried to put them into words and without uh, as long as people don't expect Ernest Hemingway or you know John Grisham we're good to go I mean that's really all it is and if you're into memories and memories of that season and then you're gonna love this book it's not a literary masterpiece but it certainly is interesting in particular for a Auburn fan at the top of the list or just a football aficionado if you if you're into football and you know you got that in you um I think it's a good book to read, and I think you'll really enjoy it. it. It's just my thoughts, as authentic as I could get, make them. I did not want to belie the authenticity of all those scenarios that, that, of that season. You know, uh, the words that I said, the responses that I got, the, the way we planned it, the way I called it, you know, the whole thing. I tried to just make it as real as I possibly could. Well, I mean, it's something that that I know fans are just uh, you know, that can't wait. I can't wait to read it. I mean, even you know, covering the team and being around, it's still not the same. It's going to be great to to get the thought, your thoughts of how things were going throughout the year. I mean, really looking, really looking forward to that. And and uh, glad we had a, a few minutes here again. Three to five tomorrow, and eight to nine on Saturday over J and M. Right? Absolutely, and I look forward to seeing uh, all the all my. 
Auburn faithful, and let's get a win, man. I think we could beat Arkansas. I think that we match up good with them. If we could play a solid game, we beat these guys, and maybe that'll get us started. You know, we need a little kickstart on our season. No question. What better time? Saturday. Coach, I'd, I'd love to know, and I know we're, we're about to let you go, but uh, Robbie Ashford has gotten to play, you know, his, his first real taste of college football uh, this season. He, he's going into the, uh, the to the game Saturday as Auburn starter. What, what have you seen out of Ashford? You know, where has where he sort of improved, and what do you think he still needs to work on? Well, Robbie's talented now. I mean, you better contain him, because if he gets loose, he can beat you a bunch of different ways. Now, I think what he needs, now, I was talking to Brian about this, uh, out of practice, is is to start with a good fundamental foundation for passing the football and then work from there, okay? And he's starting to do that some. He's starting to do that some. And let your improv skills kind of take care of themselves. Don't look to improv, instinctively improv. And by that, think, I'm going to throw a pass. I'm going to throw a pass. And then if it's not there, I'm going to use my legs. But you can't drop back the pass every time thinking, well, I'm going to 50-50, I'm going to use my legs. Never, you can't do that and expect to be a good passer. So I think when he when he gets in his mind that I'm going to beat people with my arm and then my legs after I can't, I think he will take the next step as a quarterback. I remember telling uh, Jason Campbell, I said, hell, you, you run for yards, but you pass for miles. So you got to think that way every time you get an opportunity to throw the ball. All right, great stuff, uh, Coach. We we really appreciate you spending a little time. Maybe you know, hopefully, get a chance to see you here over the uh, the next couple of days. I hope so, guys. Take care again, Al Borges. Uh, book signings tomorrow, three to five at J and M. Right around the corner from where we're going to be. That's right. We're going to be at Sky Bar tomorrow for the uh, Friday show. Hopefully, you know, might might, might get a pop-in from Al Borges yeah. tomorrow. We'll do what we'll, we can. We'll see what we can but, do. Uh, but, yeah, check out Deny of the Tiger if you get the opportunity. Great book about the 04 Auburn Tigers. Still taking your calls to get into drawing for Auburn, Arkansas tickets or to talk some sports with us. Bill, Dan, Justin, heading into the final 25 minutes. Stick with us. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Final uh, 20 minutes or so as we held Al Borges over a little uh, longer uh, there, but we'd love to hear from you. You can get into a drawing for a couple of Auburn, Arkansas tickets. We'll draw for them in about uh, 20 minutes, just before we go off the air. Um, we also want to uh, hear what you have to say, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Matt is up first. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. Uh, just thinking back to when uh, Harson uh, started at Auburn, he made some uh, personnel decisions that, that we were looking at, and we were like, these just make sense. I mean, moving J.J. Pergis from the um, – 
from tight end to defensive line. That just made sense. And others that I can't really think of right now. But now it's just he's making some moves that don't make sense. Like getting all these receivers when, when a receiver is a spot where you need help and you're just not playing them. And then I don't know. I just he started with I mean, who did we start out the year with when, his first game? We were so clean. We were so crisp. Barely a penalty. Looked like Mercer, do anything right. against. No, not this year. Last year. Oh, um, oh, yeah. Or was that Bama State, or was uh, somebody else? Right? It was Akron. It was Akron. The open. The first game of the Brian Harson era was Akron. Yeah, it looked so good, so clean, so. Cr- I mean, like we were like, okay, this is he. He's a military dude. We're gonna we're gonna straighten our boys out. And then it just it didn't work out. I, I don't know. I just the contrast between like the. The the beginning and now is just well. The you know I don't want I don't want to oversimplify, but it does feel like the biggest contrast is the team when Bo Nix is the quarterback and the team when anyone else is playing quarterback, and especially when you look at the win loss record under Brian Harson. Wait, six and two or six and three with Bo Nix as yeah, a starter. Six and three and, lost the last and he's, one, and he's won one Power Five game uh, since since Bo Nix got hurt. And so that's, that's part of it. And uh, and the, and the rece- it's tough to feature receivers when you don't know you you weren't really sure who your quarterback was and and you're not confident in the quarterback uh, making a lot of the throws. I mean, I, I this is this is one of those situations where like I, I'm again not to defend Brian Harson, but I don't know if there's a villain because I can understand where Chick Dawson or Landon King would say I'm going to spend the rest of this season getting ready to go into the transfer portal because I'm so unhappy with the the way things are going here. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I understand why if uh, if you're Brian Harson, you don't want players with that mindset. Around the rest of your roster, because you know who, who knows uh, you know if that if that could spread uh, to to other parts of the team, or uh, you know just uh, you got you got to you got to worry about the players that are that, that are interested in helping out right now. And then you're you're also on a three game losing streak, so yeah, it's it's not the best situation right but now. But you can understand why players are maybe looking at the exit too. Yeah, I don't know. It just when he came in, he was making these moves that you said, all right, I can see why he's changing players' positions and in person. Uh, changes, but now it's just like I was listening to this one thing about Matt Rule, um, and the quickest way to, uh, in his mind, to get a team from being awful to being a competitor and decent is playing your freshmen, getting those guys experience. I mean, we see it in high school. If mm-hmm. a team is young, they're going to struggle, but as they grow and get better, they're going to be a contender and they're going to they're going to cause some damage. It's the same thing in college. Mm. Except, except, except the, tra- the transfer portal changes that a little bit because it used to be if you had a team full of freshmen, watch out in two years. Now you have a team full of freshmen, you don't know if any of them are going to be on the team next year. But, like, but, I, but, but to what? Play to, your freshmen. Right, but one, freshmen. Matt's got a point in that if you're struggling. Now the thing is, you need to be in a situation where everyone understands and will tolerate those growing pains. Um, and also you have to have a coach who understands that? I don't. I think Brian Harson has never been the kind of coach that is willing to sacrifice now for the future. You know, I mean, I think he's he's all about. You know, what was one of the what was what was it one and zero? I mean, he's talking about he's doing whatever he can to try to win this next ball game. He's not worried about. Well, we may not win this one, but we're going to be a whole lot better later on. And and may, maybe that's good some places. Uh, I don't know how good that that has turned out here. 
And the way things ended in 2021, Brian Harson probably couldn't afford to punt the 2022 season and look ahead to 2023 because there yeah, was pressure right. on right. him to Losing win. the last we, five games. We speculated back in January when it looked like Auburn could lose a lot of its impact veteran players to the transfer portal or the NFL draft if Brian Harson should consider a youth movement and look to even holding. Oh yeah, Turner. you talked about that, was, that a good bit. I mean, uh, that, that was my. You know, I was wondering, is that something where if, if may, the results, maybe you would have kept more of the younger players? If, and, if the results are unex, if the results are unacceptable, can you at least point to the fact that there are so many freshmen and sophomores on the team as a cover, which you can't yeah. do. You can't yeah. do with this team. You're an experienced team that's gotten worse. I mean, I mean, maybe we'll. Yeah, we'll and, and younger players are going. I'm, I'm, I'm not playing enough, so I'm moving on. I'll I mean, you, I'm I, not I, suggesting the win loss record I'll would, tell you would be better, but I, I wonder if it would be more palatable. I'll tell you something. This week taught me. It really underscored something for me, and I got to do a better job of it moving forward. The hype train in the off season in fall camp. Oh yeah, for both Chick Dawson and Landon King, and look where it turns up. We, I mean, we get burned time and time and time again by this, and I feel like, I feel like, I, me personally, I take the bait every single year, <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know, I think it, it a little bit more skepticism, a little bit more believe it when I see it mode can kind of be helpful for some of these players that you haven't seen yet. Yeah, what, like, what, what, you know, I guess what it needs about to... Javarius Johnson breaking out this year. It's like, okay, we've seen him before. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got some good numbers in a small a small sample size. That'll work. Chick Dawson, you were just trusting that the coaching staff was right and the other players were right. Or Landon King, you were just trusting, oh, well, maybe they'll play him some more. And it's like... Didn't well, happen. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe that's what uh, the the old spring games have become. It's yeah. now it's now moved later on. Well, and, and we and I'm not saying any individual one of us. But, I mean, but, I mean, no. Chick Dawson was a starter week one. Yeah. I know. No, but that's that's also something. I not think, in the I game plan by we, week four. We take a little bit of the blame for because, and I'm not saying any individual one of us, but as the media, because when when a when a player is name checked during the off season, the possibilities, right? You start to imagine, oh, yeah. you know, what what could be one thing. And I, I don't know if I've said this on the air, but we've definitely said it off the air. Bill and I both detected. Uh, I'm trying to think of what, um, uh, not, not 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 enthusiasm when we would ask Ike Hilliard about Landon King in the off season. It didn't seem no, like he, it wasn't the same kind of response he gave with as as he did some of the. It, it, see, it seemed like, and it was especially when we got to sit like, down. Oh, uh, he's got a chance. When we got to sit down that with the position, like when, that. when we had to sit down with the position coaches right before fall camp, I, I remember thinking it was so like, especially because Landon King had been one of the more talked about players. He, he, well, it, he and Brian Harson, the one, the first thing they said when when asked about him is, he's got a chance to help us down the road. It wasn't a. Man, we're you know we're excited about what he can do for us now. Yeah, I think when people hear about potential, sometimes with young players, they think, oh, the potential to be the best player on the team right now. It's like no, because I've I've had that from people who said you guys said all off season that Camden Brown was Auburn's best receiver. Uh, no, I don't know if that's what we said. Like I think I think folks said Camden Brown could be a number one receiver someday and someone who could contribute as a true freshman. Right he has now. the physical tools. That- to to be a number one receiver. So so I don't know how much blame you get for the hype train there, Justin. But it does it does seem like there have been times, not just this year, where excitement over the jump that a skill position player could take is the 
you know, is, is, is uh, you know, it, it it's tends just, to let the imagination run right. wild before the season gets going. But it's just, it happens all the time. And you and, and, and these two guys leave in the season. Mm-hmm. You talk about how much, those two wide receivers were talked about more than any other receiver outside of Camden Brown, maybe this mm-hmm. offseason. Yeah, you're right. And it's like, what, and we're seven games in the season and they're, not in the plans not at on the team, all. and they're not on the team, right? So it's just like I don't know. It's just one, of and those it's not because the other receivers are playing so well that it's like, ah, oh, well, right. who needs these two guys? It's, I mean, it's it's you know unhappiness. I mean, and again with Chick Dawson, remember too, not not someone preserving his redshirt, someone who is already redshirted in college football, yeah, and is when, saying, when was the last time? When was the last time an Auburn receiver had more than three catches in a game? I think Javarius had had a game like that earlier <laughs> in the year. That's, that's crazy. No, um, yeah, I mean, but also when you're completing less than fifty percent of your passes, you're not going to get very many opportunities. No, no, you're right, and and and, uh, and you're trying to run the ball, and you're getting the ball to your tight end and your running backs oh more God. than you are to anybody. Look at Sports Center right now, guys. Wow, yep. Heisman hype is the headline. And the quarterback talking is Bo Nix. All right, before uh, yeah, before everything crashes, we will uh, we will get to our final break of the afternoon. We'll we'll give away those tickets, and uh, we can take more phone calls here on the Thursday drive. Let's get back to the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390, toll free at 888 382 7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final few minutes of the Thursday drive. A uh, man, it's been a quick show. Yeah. Have we uh, given Justin Ferguson a chance to We talk did at the very his... beginning, but I mean uh, in case, you know, in case folks weren't with us right then, uh, sure Justin just yeah. let us know, you know, what's been going on and what you got coming up at the Observer and yeah. how they can get it. Yeah, busy week at the Observer, a lot of basketball as I said with the mailbag tomorrow. I also did a story on um on Alan Flanagan and Chris Moore that you can check out as well. Earlier this week wrote about how uh, Auburn's run defense is taking a step back and where things can be fixed there. Also, interesting, uh, Auburn, Arkansas. Yeah, this game this weekend, Auburn 9-1 and one off of off week since 2013. That's the same stretch that Brian Harson's been a head coach at the FBS level. He's also 9-1 and one coming off of off weeks. So I got well. Well, all right. Everybody's had these little numbers. I mean, here, here's one that's uh, okay. not, not that hard to find, but Auburn's 3-4. and four. Uh, No Auburn team that has been under 500 after seven games has ever had a winning season. That is really interesting. And you had one, I think, earlier this week as well, pointing out that since expansion, since these two teams started playing every year, there's really been only one case of a, of of a, an Aub- a good Auburn team losing to Arkansas. And that was the 2006. Season. Yeah, the, the 2006 mm-hmm. Auburn Tigers. Right. One of their only two losses was that loss to offensive coordinator Gus Malzahn and the running backs of um, you know McFadden, Jones, and Hillis uh, in that 2006 Additionally, Arkansas team. You know, Brian Harson three and nine in his last twelve games as Auburn's coach. The last time Auburn was three and nine in twelve in a twelve game stretch was twenty twelve. If they drop to three and ten, you were talking about it has not happened. Auburn losing ten out of thirteen. Yes. Yeah. That has that hasn't happened since the end of the Earl Brown era right. and the start of the Shug Jordan oh, era. Yeah, no. I, I looked that one up Earl a while history. back. Yes. Oh no! And Bill, I'd like I'd like your thoughts briefly on. Uh, there's a meme, that's even before me. A, a meme yeah. that folks have been. Well, it's, I mean, it's something people have talked about with the Auburn Arkansas series for twenty years. What Fred Talley? Fred Talley. Can you tell folks? 
who Fred Talley was. And Fred what, Talley was a Ole Miss ran for more yards uh, two weeks ago than the Fred Talley game. That's true. That's true. Fred Fred Talley was a, a five nine speedster who I mean just never he, he ran. He, well, it wasn't as many yards as Cecil the Diesel ran. I don't believe against Auburn, but it was over two hundred. Fred Talley had. Yeah, I mean, tw- twice in three meetings in Auburn. And we were just, it's amazing. Yeah, that was what it's like, oh, crap, Auburn never wants to play Arkansas because they're going to just get run all over. Well, we just we just talked with Al Borges about the 2004 game. That 2004 game sandwiches oh, yes, a pair absolutely. of dominant rushing performances mm-hmm. by Arkansas. 2002, Fred Talley, for folks who traumatized, you know, yep. Auburn fans who saw that game. And then four years later, Auburn looked like, one of the best teams in college football. They were the number two team in the country, and they've got the Florida Gators a week later with Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer, and everyone's talking about that game. Gus Malzahn, Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis come to Auburn. Pretty good backfield. Pretty good backfield, and they ran. Who was the quarterback? Oh, uh, I think it was Mitch Mustaine. Was it? I mean, I think there was. Oh, that was man. when they. That was, well, it was after they went from. Yes. They, they switched from Mustaine to back. Casey Dick, maybe, or somebody like that. It was like one of those yeah. in, the, in that in that Mustaine of, was the starter for the first uh, six or seven games. Right, and and they were winning, but he was wasn't playing all right. that well, and and it was the run game because Darren McFadden. If mm-hmm. you if you were too young to see like 2005, 2006, 2007, Darren McFadden, like he's that was a lightning bolt. Oh of a, man, of, was that was good. a lightning bolt of a running big. back. That's where Wildcat originated. Really, really, really got its got going with Gus and Darren McFadden. One, one of the guys where. I looked at him as a college football player and thought, okay, that's an NFL Hall of Famer. And it didn't work out for reasons, but you watched yep. Darren McFadden as a college football player. Oh, he thought, looked, yeah, oh, th- he looked is, like the next great this is Adrian NFL Pe- Yeah, this back. is Adrian Peterson. Like, this is, yep. this is that kind of guy, potentially. Didn't happen in the NFL. Happened at Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2006 when, uh, when, when Arkansas came here that morning. So, like, for people, for people, obviously, back, you know, older than me, there's always the tradition or the, the legacy of Bo Jackson and Tecmo Bowl, right? You can't tackle him. He's going to score on mm-hmm. every play. For me, NCAA football 2005, Darren McFadden was that guy. Untackleable. Wayne to Auburn, I can tell you that. He would break 17 tackles in one play every single time. And so I remember watching Darren McFadden in Arkansas. I remember those teams, Felix, uh, Felix Jones. Uh, it was, uh, Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hillis. And then uh, big dude was the quarterback, Matt Jones. Right, and it was a little bit, little bit after match. Okay, maybe a little bit after. Anyway, it's just like I I remember them playing. I mostly remember for not being able to tackle Darren McFadden (laughs) ever. Um, But yeah, Justin, uh, always good to have you with us. Uh, One more time, let folks know how they can they can get the Observer AuburnObserver dot com. Six dollars a month, sixty dollars a year. A lot of basketball, a lot of football coming up. It's about to be really, really busy. Podcast newsletters. Goes in your email inbox. Six dollars a month or six dollars a year. Sign up there. We are at Sky Bar tomorrow. Sky Bar costume contest tonight. Don't miss it. And the winner of the Auburn Arkansas tickets, George. Congratulations, George. We'll contact you. You need to uh, stop by sometime tomorrow and pick them up. That's going to wrap things up for the uh, Thursday drive. Join us tomorrow from Sky Bar. Have a good one, everybody. We're out of here. <laughs>